You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 59. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hi, this is Ed K. Smith from Online Impact here with my co-host Brendan Tully from the Search Engine Shop. And we have a guest on the show today, Kiri Masters, who is the CEO of Bobsled Marketing based in New York. Kiri is originally from Perth, Western Australia. And Bobsled Marketing work with businesses to help them launch products on Amazon. So we're going to be discussing uh, the Amazon FBA program, which is Fulfillment by Amazon, and also the Amazon Marketplace with Kiri. So welcome, Kiri, and thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So I did get that right. You were originally from Perth, weren't you? Yes, yes. I uh, I was originally in Perth um, to go to university, and then um, I lived in Sydney for a couple of years working in banking, and then eventually made over to New York. Wow, long, a long way away. So, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Literally the other side of the world, and certainly the time the time difference is probably the worst. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad that we managed to get a podcast interview set up because it's it's a twelve hour difference. Yeah, and that's something that I've had a lot of experience in in the past when I did a lot of podcasting with uh, with people in the domain name investing space because the majority of them are in the US. So I would mm. typically be doing podcast interviews at this time. So, so well, yeah, so thanks for coming on. And so, so a bit of a back history, you, you touched on it briefly. So give us, uh, before you got into the bobsled marketing uh, business, I keep saying the bobsled marketing business, but you know, you know what I'm saying when you founded bobsled marketing, um, what were you doing? Give us a bit of a, a, a rundown on that before you got to that point. Sure. So I I was previously in the banking industry. Um, I was doing uh, I was on a kind of leadership program at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, rotating between marketing, project management, corporate strategy, and um, unlike a lot a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who say that they were continually getting fired or they hated their jobs or they were really bad at authority. I was a pretty good employee. I was I was doing pretty well. I was moving up the ranks and really enjoyed my corporate life. Um, and uh, eventually moved over to New York uh, just for a bit of a change and continued my career over here in banking. But uh, it was only like when the entrepreneurial bug kind of bit me a few years ago that I became dissatisfied with being in the corporate world. But I I definitely look back on that time as being very instrumental in helping to develop um, skills around managing other people, um, managing relationships, getting stuff done, managing projects and thinking about big problems. So I don't, I'm not one of those people that disparages the corporate life necessarily. I think it can be very helpful for entrepreneurs if you look at it in the right way. Yeah, definitely. And interestingly, that's one of the things um, I'm assuming you, you, you've heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. 
yeah. and that's one of the one of the things that Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about. He really thinks there's there's too many people who are young who don't have any experience under them, who just go straight into being entrepreneurs, and they really don't have anything to fall back on. And often a lot of them fail because of that. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just went and and did what you did and got some experience and and learnt from working with corporations, that will bolster what it is you're going to be doing. And and help with your entrepreneurial journey. So, well, yeah, well, well done. Thank you, Brendan. Over to you. So, okay, so let's talk about bobsled marketing. So, you guys help brands or businesses launch their products on Amazon. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So they could be uh, could be a established sort of old school manufacturer who doesn't do anything online. They're typically already selling to distributors or retailers, to classic wholesale business, and all they've been hearing about for the last couple of years is Amazon, and they know that they don't really have the skills or capability to even consider what needs to be done there. Or it could be a business that's already on Amazon and they might already be doing pretty well and um, have a lot of um, uh, have a team that that is working on different channels, but they're looking to take things to the next level and maybe looking to get into international marketplaces too, which is something that we do. So we really work from um, launching brands from scratch on Amazon as well as um, optimizing optimizing existing accounts and helping with international expansions. Okay, cool. So let's, because I'm guessing that there'll be people listening who don't get the Amazon thing and don't know about Amazon FBA. So let's talk about that for a minute. So there's three parts to the Amazon marketplace um, as a seller, right? Yes. There is um, what what's called... Uh, fulfilled by merchant where uh, someone a customer places an order on Amazon and the merchant is responsible for fulfilling the order so Amazon simply a platform just like eBay where you receive the order and the customers um, details and then ship them the order and, and get paid by Amazon for the sale then there is the um, fulfilled by Amazon program or what is referred to as FBA, and that's where Amazon will actually hold your inventory for you. You ship inventory to Amazon, and they use their fulfillment capabilities and huge fulfillment network to um, handle all the customer orders that come in. So as as the merchant, you don't have to be responsible for picking, packing, shipping, holding inventory, managing returns, managing inquiries from customers about where's my package. So FBA has become wildly popular because it allows companies to um, to be handling retail orders without building any infrastructure at all, which is pretty cool. And then the third um, method of selling on Amazon is in kind of a classic wholesale relationship where you're a brand, you're selling to Amazon, they're placing purchase orders for your inventory. And so that is where it's uh, the inventory is owned by Amazon and they take care of everything. Okay. So from a, because particularly like outside the US, a lot of e-commerce business owners won't be familiar with FBA and a lot of people don't realize you can actually sell on Amazon either as a you know as an independent seller or independent business so out of those FBA is the one that has the the big traction in the marketplace right 
Yes, definitely. And it is it it does give it's become a game changer, I think, for international commerce. So brands that brands and manufacturers that are located outside the US, it's the the ultimate entry point into the US market, which is, as we all know, is enormous from a consumer, um, just a volume standpoint. And so instead of having historically, maybe if you were a brand outside of the US, you'd have to find a distributor or sales agent who would negotiate with retail stores or, you know, get, get your product out there into the market, or you'd have to, you'd have to uh, find a third party logistics provider or 3PL, get your inventory there. And then, you know, if you're selling products through your own online store, you have to manage everything remotely through the 3PL. But with Amazon, you still have to go through the process of importing your products and all that compliance related process. But once it gets into the US and it's cleared through customs, get you can forward that inventory to Amazon and they take care of everything for you, which is a game changer. Mm -hmm. So in terms of then, so someone's listening to this and wants to take the first step, what's the process? How do they get the ball rolling here? Yeah. So a, a couple of things that are a little confusing to people. One big question that we get asked is, do I need to set up a US entity, like an LLC or a corporation in the US? And that is that is not necessary. You can, um, you can import products, well, export products to the US, get them through customs, forwarded onto Amazon um, under your uh, ent- corporate entity or even as an individual located outside of the US. Um, you will need to, unless you want to be drowning in paperwork and have this project take up your whole life for the next three months, you'll want to find a reputable customs broker and a freight forwarder to handle the shipping your inventory to the US. So whether that's going directly from China to the US or from Australia or Europe, wherever it's going, you really want a professional who knows how to navigate that whole process and get your inventory in, especially because if your inventory arrives at Amazon with duties still payable or something like that, they will they'll reject the shipment or destroy it. So that's <laughs> potentially, you know, a container of goods that that will end up costing you a lot more money if you don't take care of everything before it gets to Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I had that because we I well, I have a business and we sell some stuff on Amazon. And we just had a shipment that's been sitting in customs for a month, unfortunately. So we used, it's small products, so we used DHL, so they dealt with it. But I was wondering if this stuff was going to be stuck at customs forever, the way it was going on. So, yeah. It was oh, it's a- so unpredictable. And I'm not sure if, if, if you were doing this at the time, but I think it was in 2015, there was a, uh, a furlough in the port of Los Angeles for like three months and no one could get image, no one could get anything for months yeah. from China. Yeah, yeah. It was I backed up that. for so yeah, there is I mean there there are those are some of the risks that you, you face with um, international trade of course that that will never go away. Yeah, yeah. So there's obviously some products that are more amenable to selling on Amazon than others. So let's talk about that. Like what are there things that you just can't sell on there? What's like 
are big things hard to sell? Let's talk about that for a minute. What what sort of products are typically best suited to to selling on Amazon? Sure. So there are some products that are in restricted categories. So you need to get approval from Amazon before you can sell in those categories. And that includes food and gourmet items, clothing and apparel, jewellery is uh, very difficult to, to get approval for, um, especially fine jewellery. And um, Why is that just because it's, it's like a, a value thing and it's subject to fakes or...? Someone. Yes, exactly. So Amazon's extremely protective of the customer experience. And so any kind of product that could be um, uh, inauthentic, fake, stuff like that, they 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 carry a big risk with uh, customers complaining about that. So they have their own, you might get approved to sell fine jewellery on Amazon, but they have their own um, uh, testing process as well. So they'll pull your inventory and then they'll send it to their testing facility. And as I'm, I'm not an expert in this category, but I know that um, it can be quite subjective, the, the testing of precious gems and stuff like that. So Amazon might test your gems and say, well, this isn't, this isn't however, however many carrots you listed it at. And uh, it, 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 that sounds like a very challenging category to sell on Amazon. Um, the other ones, grocery, food yeah, and gro- groceries. <laughs> yeah, I would stay away from that. Um, food and grocery, there is a very rigorous process for them to be able to track down who your manufacturers are. So what it, it's, it's kind of ironic the way that the rules have been built because we've got a couple of clients that are food manufacturers. They have their own facility. They make their own spices and seasonings, chocolate or whatever it is in their own factory. And to get them approved to sell on Amazon is harder than if you're a private label company using a contract manufacturer to make your food. Because you can say, you can identify who your manufacturer is, but if you're the manufacturer yourself and you say, I am the manufacturer, Amazon, for some reason, their system or their process doesn't accommodate for that scenario. It's completely wacky. There are so many wild processes with Amazon. It's it's it would I'd laugh if I didn't cry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a similar experience dealing with their support team and it just drove me crazy. It took a week for them to look at this piece of paperwork and actually the guy kept coming back to me and telling me it didn't have some number on there and it clearly had. I had screenshots and everything saying, Here's the number and just God. tearing my hair out, just trying to deal with them sometimes. Yep. Yeah. But when it works, it works really well. It's like it's like the e-commerce dream, right? You do put your feet up, the orders come in, Amazon do all the work and you take the profit at the end of the day. When it works, that's yeah. how it works. So. so how do you, Brendan, manage um, returned items with Amazon? Because I think that's a that's a that can be a problem for international sellers is that Amazon can't ship your inventory back to you if if someone returns it. Yeah, fortunately, most of the products we have are low enough value that that isn't such a big deal. But we do have, um, I don't really want, really want to say what the products are, but we do have one particular product that just goes through these phases of whenever it's mentioned on TV, we sell a bunch. And then we have like a 5% return rate 
And we know the rep- returns are dodgy. Pretty good. Yeah, the, the returns are dodgy, though. They're people using the product and then, like, just sending it back because they've had enough of it. Yep. Um, so we just... Because we can't do anything with those returns. That The products are... Um, this particular product costs 30 bucks. It's just too much to ship back to us to deal with, so we just use it. We just have Amazon um, get rid of it, so they destroy it. So Destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. There are some um, companies uh, called re- repackaging facilities where if you have a product that could be repackaged, let's say like <clears throat> could be consumer electronics or something like that, which they would test it, make sure that it has the proper inserts, put it back in a box and then ship the inventory back. But that's only really worth it if the product is, you know, priced at, you know, has a probably a higher price point than $30. I have a friend who has another um, low price product and with his returns, he actually gets them, he ships the returns to his parents' place like once a quarter or something like that. And his parents actually sell them on eBay as like a side business because he just... He has that many returns, and the products are fine. Oh, They're just win-win. out of the packaging or whatever, or someone didn't like it. Because Amazon have a very lenient return policy as well, so that's something that you know, which is yeah. great for the consumer. Not necessarily that great if you're selling stuff on there. And I think as well, consumers are um, pretty savvy to the. I can you know buy this and use it or do whatever I want to do with it and send it back, um, and there's no questions asked. So, which definitely isn't always yeah. great. This- but- for sure. And I think that Amazon's taken some action against buyers who've who've been chronic returners. And, you know, the, the thing is, this is a big flaw in their system, but it kind of goes back to their principle of putting the customer above everything, customer experience above everything, is that if you say that an item is defective, then you can return it for free. But in some categories, if you say, oh, I changed my mind, I don't need it anymore. I don't like the color. Then you have to pay to return it. So lots of people cotton onto that fact, and they return stuff saying that it was defective, which which can affect you as a seller because if you get enough people returning your product saying it's defective, then Amazon might suspend that product and say this product has quality issues. We're taking it off the market. So there's a big problem with that and I think they have taken action against some consumers that have shown patterns of excessive returns and they've banned their Amazon accounts but that's been I think relative to the amount of sellers that have had this problem very rare so it's another a cost of doing business on Amazon for sure and uh, so your earlier question what types of products do or don't work for Amazon. Very large items can be challenging, um, but uh, it, it depends where you're located. If you're in the US and you're selling in the US, then there's a program called Seller Fulfilled Prime, which um, one of the one of the main benefits of selling on FBA or fulfilled by Amazon is that your items become eligible for the Prime program, and so that means uh, the the Prime programs is genius marketing idea of Amazon's where customers get free shipping, uh, free two-day shipping on all items that are Prime eligible. So this is this is a kind of cornerstone uh, element of Amazon, and a lot of people just if if something's not Prime eligible, they don't buy it or they filter out everything that's not Prime eligible. So you really want to have that 
eligibility sticker. So um, for items that are very large, let's say something like a mattress or a a lawn chair, um, being able to have that prime eligibility but still fulfill the order yourself can be a huge advantage. Um, But you do need to meet all of the same requirements as Amazon would have around getting that product to the customer within two days. So, okay, so let's switch gears a bit. Let's talk about some of the mistakes people make when they're selling on Amazon. Because I, so we started with some new products recently and I made this mistake. I looked at it very quickly and thought this will be easy to get up and running. And it took months and months and months of time to actually get the, the products have just arrived there after three months of messing about. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, I'm like, that was my own fault. And I know the system. So, um, you know, I thought it would be quick and easy, but it wasn't. So let's talk about some of those common mistakes and um, when people are, are getting on Amazon or getting on the platform. Yeah, I guess it, that, that's actually a good one. So what um, what some sellers do to mitigate the, the delays with shipping via ocean is um, to air freight in a smaller quantity and then sea, sea freight in the rest. But I think that you mentioned you shipped with DHL, yeah. so that would have been by air anyway. Yeah, so mine were by air, but I didn't realize. So these were food, those are supplements. So we had to go through the FDA prior warning oh, okay. system, and that required a whole bunch of information about the manufacturer. That And they weren't, they didn't have an FDA approval number. They had an approval, like a, you know, a food facility manufacturing number for the country that they're in, but not for America. So that was a, spawned a whole tree gotcha. of other things that we needed to do to actually get the products there. And I wasn't even sure that when they arrived in customs in the US that they'd actually be cleared, which is part of the reason why it took four weeks of the, the product sitting in customs to get them through. So <laughs> on the surface, gotcha. what appeared to be a product that had great opportunity to actually chewed massive amounts of my time um, and it's just arrived at Amazon, so now we've got to start, you know, the marketing part. So we're not even done yet. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a pretty good, um, pretty good lesson actually, just around product compliance uh, when you're exporting, and then also what what Amazon's own rules are for that. So <clears throat> again, when selling food, for example, you'll need to prove to Amazon that you you're manufacturing in a reputable facility and stuff like that so yeah and getting your ducks in a row with the fda or any other kind of like compliance body as well as amazon is is a huge one i would say um one of the the big mistakes is not fully understanding what the margin impact of selling on amazon is going to be so there are the the direct selling fees of of selling on amazon which are uh, in most categories a 15 percent referral fee and if you're using fba which most um which most folks are that's going to be a um an order handling fee a pick and pack fee and then a weight based shipping fee which depends on the dimensional weight of the item so those uh, fulfillment fees they're they're pretty reasonable when you compare them to 3pls but you want to understand exactly what what those direct selling fees are going to be and then you have sort of um, indirect costs 
of selling on Amazon. So returns are something that we talked about and, you know, with across most categories, I would say 5% return rate is 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 pretty good, something that you would want to budget for. In clothing and accessories, your return rate might be more like 35%, shoes and stuff like that. So that can end up being, if, if those items are not able to be resold, then that can be a big cost to take into consideration. Storage fees. So Amazon really dings you if your items are sitting at their warehouse for longer than six months. So you want to take into account that those additional fees and then just costs related to to marketing products on Amazon um, I'm a I'm a big fan of Amazon sponsored products program which is their paid ad system um, as a way of driving traffic and sales and then you'll also want to take into account um, doing some promotions around uh, to to get to get reviews of your product and so the most common ways of doing that is either giving away some products for free or um, at a discount and we can get a little bit more into that but it's important to be 110% compliant with whatever Amazon's rules are at the time with um, getting product reviews but you want to budget let's say giving away or or at a discount it, it depends on how competitive your category is maybe like 15, 50, 100 products. So that's something that you need to work into your um, to map into your math to make sure that selling on Amazon is going to be profitable for your um, individual SKUs. Yeah, so those are important, right? There, especially the sponsored listings, because it's kind of it, the marketplace has so many products now that it's not just a case of shipping the product there. Most of the time, it's not a case of just shipping product there and it sells. You're going to have right. to do some marketing around it, whether that's the sponsored listings or do the reviews and then do some work to get them to rank higher in the, the Amazon search as well, right? Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, Amazon's really secretive with data, so we don't know exactly how many products there are on Amazon, but some estimates put it at 400 million. Isn't serious. that insane? Yeah. 400 million products? That's crazy, right? That is um, insane. I'm saying yes, Kiri. I'm agreeing with you 100%. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> Brendan's like 400 million, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think he was, he was just thinking about how much money he makes a month. I'm so just he was jaded. Confused. Like, I've been doing e-commerce for so long. I'm just like the jaded old guy. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> the, jaded, the jaded old guy. Far well, I've, just been, I've just been watching years? some, some interesting... Hey? I've been in the, the e-commerce space for nearly 15 years, Ed, so, you know. Yeah, I know, but you're not an old guy. Oh, you know, I feel like an old guy. Yeah. Oh, dude, come on. <laughs> I've got 15 years on top of you, so what are you talking about? But anyhow, <laughs> this is fa- we'll have to, we're going to have to start calling Kiri the uh, Amazon ninja, I think, because I think she's got more going on in her head about Amazon than most people that I've spoken to, so... It comes at a, it comes at a price though. I'll tell you. I was I'm such a nerd about Amazon. I was reading their job descriptions last night, and I did actually find out some really good information. This is where you hear about all of their new programs. So you know, as if, I think if you're prepared to be a hardcore nerd, then it's all figure figure outable. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Brendan and I are definitely classified as nerds for sure. No, well, I didn't say nerds aren't cool. I'm cool. 
well, I'm a drummer in a band, so I must be cool. You can't not be, can you? I mean, seriously. <laughs> so come on, Brendan. Brendan does have a um, – what sort of dog have you got, Brendan? He's a beagle. So, like, do you know any people who I'm, aren't cool that have beagles? I'm waiting Kiri? for like, a dad I, joke embedded in here somewhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't. I don't tell dad jokes. <laughs> anyway, on with the on with the podcast. You guys are doing great because I'm just sitting here listening and coughing while I'm muted. So I'll I'll let <laughs> you get back to it. Do you have any questions, Ed? What do you want to know? Only the ones we've got that you're asking and doing such a superb <laughs> job of, Brendan. So I'll I'll just shut up and. Uh, and let you get back to it. <laughs> All right. So we've got a couple <laughs> more points here. So let's talk about the next one. Auditing, if you're an existing seller, auditing your uh, seller account and products and, and getting more mileage out of them. Let's talk about that. Sure. So this is kind of classic classic SEO stuff. When you think about Amazon, it's a, it's a search engine just like Google. So if there's 400 million products, they have to have some really clever way of indexing all of those products. There's all the different categories you can sell in. I think there's, I mean, something like 20 categories. <clears throat> and um, But even within those categories, you have to figure out what's the most popular product. And Amazon's real estate, they want to maximize that. So they're typically looking at what products have been shown to sell very well in the in the last 24 hours or in re recent period and what converts really well. And Amazon is going to rank those products higher than ones that don't have good sales history recently and don't have good conversions because they know they're going to make less money off of that if someone clicks through. So <clears throat> when you think about it from that perspective and think about improving your uh, sales volume and improving conversions, then you can think about all the different levers that you have to pull with um, your listings on Amazon. So improving conversions, this is like classic on-page optimization. So copy, um, reviews, reviews help a lot with credibility. They help to answer questions. People trust reviews from other consumers more than they do what the brand says about their own product. So those are really important Product images, super important. They're the first thing that someone sees in the search results. They tell the story of the product. If you use those effectively, that those three factors really help with conversions on the page. So then the other problem that you have is, okay, you have a listing that will convert really well if someone finds it. So how do you get traffic to those listings? And um, again, that comes down to uh, sort of SEO for Amazon, so selecting the right keywords and using those effectively, putting those keywords in the back end of the listing, putting strategic keywords in the title of the listing, but still make it, you know, a, a readable title that makes sense. And um, PPC on, on Amazon, the sponsored products program can be a very effective high ROI way to drive traffic to your listings. There's there's a third way to drive traffic to your listings, which is um, traffic outside of Amazon. So you could run Facebook ads, you could run um, Google PLAs, you could do get some external traffic through PR or something like that. But the challenge with Amazon is that you can't get any attribution for external traffic. 
So when you're looking at your sales analytics, you can't see where traffic came from and therefore, and how it converted. So you can't really see how effective your Facebook ad campaign has been. So that's a major drawback of trying to get external traffic in is that you can't truly measure the effectiveness of it like you can with Amazon's native ad system. So there's some tools that will help you do this stuff. Do you have particular, I have a handful of tools that we use. What do you, what do you use on your end for? Yeah, so I, um, uh, our team uses Jungle Scout for product research. And that's a great tool because um, it, it kind of, te- Amazon's, the way that they rank products, it's called the bestseller rank. And if you're the, if you're number one, then you're the best seller in that category. If you're number two, you're the second best. If you're number 10,000, you're the 10,000th best. And what Jungle Scout does is they have some really fancy calculus that that figures out um, if your bestseller rank is 21,000, approximately how many units that product would be selling a month. And so you can get to see what your competitors might be selling, what accessories to offer with the product maybe and so get a sense of the size of the market and that's really important for for bobsled marketing because we want to know when some, when a client comes to us and they want to get a sense of should they be on Amazon or not then we can we can help to quantify that opportunity for them the other tools that we use um, to to get more product reviews is uh, um, like a post-purchase email sequence equivalent. And so there's a few tools out there that that all more or less do the same thing. They just automate a follow-up sequence to the customer and ask them to please write a review. Do you find that the successful? One that we, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 it does work better than doing nothing. I'm I'm surprised because we do a lot of e-commerce consulting. So comparing, I was really surprised when we set up the um, the order follow-up emails for our own products on Amazon, and comparing that so with like traditional e-commerce, we you know we set up e-commerce email marketing for our consulting clients, and that works really well in terms of getting reviews. But I was surprised that we get very we're going to get a little bit of traction with the Amazon reviews. People aren't super keen to put reviews on well the products we're selling which I, I found was pretty interesting yeah yeah it, it is a challenge maybe it would take your rate of reviews from like one or two percent to four <laughs> you're not going to get a huge you're not, never going to get 20 percent of people writing reviews it's not because amazon sends their own reminders to people as well and and a lot of people actually opt out of communications with sellers too so it it helps to give a bit of a lift and so tools like the one that we use is called sales backer there are a bunch of other ones feedback five um there are a few more um we also use oh in terms of getting reviews there's a great new service from the same creators of um Jungle Scout called Review Kick, and this is it's a community of people who um, they are interested in getting new products at a, at a significant discount. So often the discounts will, they have to be over fifty percent off the usual selling price, and they're often eighty percent or more. So if you have a brand new product and you're looking for for reviews, it can be a really good way to get 
more reviews on your product without you having to give away products completely for free. Um, so that's a really good tool that we use. And in terms of um, uh, kind of the SEO and PPC side of things, uh, our favorite tool there is called Ace Inspector, A-S-I-N-S-P-E-C-T-O-R. And that allows you to, um, there's, there's a good feature called reverse ASIN lookups. And then ASIN is Amazon's um, uh, identifying number for each product in the catalog. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so you can do a reverse ASIN lookup, which is you, you grab your competitor's ASIN, and then this tool will tell you all of the different keywords that that product is ranking for. So you can kind of copy what's working for your competitors on your own listings. Yep. Um, and, and besides that, um, if you're a US seller in particular, there is a big challenge with selling on, on Amazon related to sales tax in each state. Right, okay. So yes. <clears throat> the, the rules are, and, and uh, this, is a, this is a gray area for international sellers, um, that if your inventory is held in a particular state, then you have a nexus in that state and therefore any sales made to customers in that state, you must charge the applicable sales tax rate. And it varies between states and in New York um, state where I'm at, it varies by county. And there's some, <laughs> well, I don't know, there's hundreds or thousands of counties here. And so every county has its own tax rate and it's an absolute nightmare to reconcile so there's a great um, plug-in called TaxJar that does all that calculation for you and helps you file your quarterly returns in each state yeah that's crazy <laughs> it's it's wild um i have a headache yeah <laughs> well that's a good thing as an international seller that well in australia anyway we don't have to charge gst to customers outside australia so you know, the tax situation is actually quite simple, apart from having to pay import tax or customs duty or whatever when the products ship to the US. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, besides that, I know that there are some tools that other sellers use. It's, more, it's not really suitable for an, necessarily for an agency like ours, but for individual sellers, there's some good analytics tools out there. Um, one that's popular is called Hello Profit. And that tracks your, um, <clears throat> uh, it, it can be hard just looking at sales reports on Amazon to figure out what your per skew profitability is. So it helps you do that and um, see, I believe, the impact of promotions over time and aggregates information about ad spend and stuff like that. So you can see everything in one place. Cool. Yeah, the, the other two that we use that are not on that list, the AMZ tracker for SEO and keyword rankings um, and, yep. and their unicorn smasher, which I believe is similar to the, the, the you know, jungle scout, jungle scout. similar thing. Yes. Um, and the other one we use is TerraPeak. So I use that for product research. Um, yeah. Is that, is that primarily uh, you're looking at e products on eBay it, for that? It's more eBay focused, but I use it as a general guide because there are a large number okay. of products that I've looked at that, uh, that I buy on a regular basis, we looked at selling, um, and I assumed they'd sell bucket loads, like hundreds of thousands of dollars each each month on um, eBay in Australia and the US. 
and I pulled up because it will give you the actual sales stats for for eBay the last 90 days of actual sales so it's very accurate in terms mm-hmm. of the numbers and a lot of the products the numbers were nowhere near what I expected them to be so it's a good while eBay and Amazon are totally different beasts it was a good gauge to see you know what something that I thought would be a massive seller was like a tiny seller so mm, interesting I wonder and that could be that the the product that's currently on Amazon is not really being marketed effectively is is one yeah it's well i mean it has the exact sales for ebay and ebay's the search on ebay works very uh, different to amazon so it's it's a good gate like a good easy gauge to see if there's a market like i use it to see if there's a market online for a particular product like you know getting a slice of there's one particular product that i thought it'd be easily they'd be selling a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a month and um, it was selling about ten or twelve, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's you know huh. massively off." You know, ten percent slice of two hundred grand a month is a lot more than ten percent slice of ten or twelve grand a month. So it was a yeah. good, good, quick tool just to to dig in, and they they've been expanding the features a lot lately. So it's quite good for broad product research and and digging into things. So um, gotcha. Yeah, I use it quite a bit. Cool. So what else do we have? So we're coming up on an hour. So I don't know if you have any questions you come up with while you're uh, muted over there, Ed. Well, while I'm muted and coughing. <laughs> um, no, well, look, I mean, the question that I had, which is one that I was going to ask later towards the end, is uh, you know, who is your ideal customer that you want to attract to yourself, Kiri, to Bob said marketing? So who's listening to this show that is a good fit? to work with you and get help from your company? Yeah, sure. So our clients are typically established businesses with an established supply chain. And so that's in, that's important to us because we, we put a lot of a lot of time into product launches and optimizing products. Um, we want we want to give a three month timeline to go from zero to like the target monthly revenue. And um, so it's important that the the company has the ability that they're either manufacturing themselves and they have the ability to handle a lot more volume or they have a, a long-term relationship with their um, supplier or manufacturer and things are, things are really set up from an operational standpoint. So that's kind of our ideal client typically over a million in existing revenue Mm -hmm. and looking to grow aggressively and they may or may not have anyone that's currently dedicated to e-commerce that might be something quite new to to them but they certainly don't have someone that is uh, it's very unusual for a company with less than 50 employees to have someone that's dedicated just to amazon yeah okay and this is companies globally it's not just in america you deal with companies in other parts of the world as well, correct? Yes, we have a client in Australia and we have several in Europe who are looking to sell in the US and they feel a lot more comfortable <laughs> having a US-based team to, to navigate um, over here. Mm-hmm. And then also quite a few clients in the US that are looking to grow abroad. So the, the, the other big markets for Amazon outside of the US are the UK and Germany. And then you have the the other European markets like France, Italy, Spain that make up. You know, there is there is less volume there. But the the good thing about selling on Amazon in Europe is that 
once you have inventory in Europe and you have your VAT number set up and all the, all the compliance stuff figured out, it's very easy to then start selling in each new marketplace. You can move inventory around within Amazon's network very easily. Ah, so, good tip. yeah, that's it. That's very. That's another really attractive thing about being with Amazon is that they can they handle a lot of that within Europe for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like people would be silly not to come and speak to you because there are a lot of pitfalls. And the same goes for the stuff that Brendan and I do in our different businesses mm. that people will shortchange themselves by trying to do it themselves. And, of course, yep. all the, the costly mistakes that happen uh, by not knowing all the shipping processes and all those things that can trip you up and can cost them you know, tens of thousands of dollars potentially. <laughs> Um, rather than yeah. getting the right information up front and bypassing all that hassle. Yeah, definitely. And it's also just the time that where is the most strategic place for a business owner or the, the head of, you know, the person responsible for revenue to spend their time? Is it fiddling around and trying to figure out Amazon's quirky rules or is it in product, developing new products and partnerships and um, relationships with their suppliers. I think those are more valuable activities for most companies than getting into the nitty-gritty, which is what we need to do as consultants. So, yeah, yeah. amazing. But so there's lots of opportunity and, and there are a lot of companies that are multi, multi-million dollar companies that weren't before they started building their businesses on uh, on Amazon and and partnering mm. with them. So it's a good opportunity if you do it right and target the right products for the right locations, like always, is the conversation we have with our clients. So mm. um, fantastic. Any last thoughts before we uh, let you get back to going and working and making money? Starting your day. <laughs> <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. I think that I... Um, we we covered everything off that I had on my list. Okay. Cool. Cool. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what where do they go? What's what's your web address? Yes, the web address is bobsledmarketing.com. And there's a whole bunch. I saw you have some stuff there on getting started, some videos, I think it was, for getting started on Amazon as well, right? Yes, there's a video course I'm in the process of updating, which is really intro to Amazon, how to do it yourself um, if you if you want to. But uh, it's qu- quickly apparent how many <laughs> many steps there are to do it. So that's kind of the point. But de- definitely, lots of people have done it themselves. There's a lot of there's there's great forums, there's great courses out there, there's great blogs and podcasts. It's definitely. It's definitely doable to launch on Amazon yourself. Um, we just help to skip the learning curve. That's what I like to say. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, I thank you very much. I've learned a lot. Um, before this, all I knew was how to order books on Kindle. Um, <laughs> so so now I'm far, I feel far wiser uh, from the experience of talking with you, Kiri. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your day in New York City. New York City. I love New York. Great place. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much for having me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the show. It's, it's great to be on. Thank you. We'll send you the check. <laughs> that. Or we'll send you some PayPal money, one of the team. But, yeah, no, thanks. Greatly appreciated. Thanks, Brendan. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. 
Bye for now. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.